Hello, it's Friday the 21st of June in the year of our Lord 2023. I'm back again, three days in a row. Woohoo! We're going to hopefully be getting shows out every single day from now on. I'm delighted that my Friday is going to be spent with the wonderful Welsh wizard, Roy Davis. Hi, Roy. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you? Yeah, I'm not bad at all. Busy, not bad. That show last week was fantastic. Where are we going this week? Because you mentioned something to me earlier about timelines. Um, some people think nothing's going to happen for another five years. Some people think it's going to happen this year. I think we're meet my personal opinion. I don't know. You can shoot me down if it need be. I think we're starting to see the actual start of the takedown. Yes, we've been seeing it over the years, gradually little things, information coming out, but I've got the feeling that it's going to be starting to roll now all the way and roll all the way through to November next year. I think this is the start, end of July. Now, these next few months running up to the election, I think is just going to be nothing but booms. I don't know what you think about that. No, I'd, uh, I would concur with that timeline because you're right. The inability of producing or anybody stating their prognosis or their best guess of the timeline means that many of them are not prepared to, uh, to tie events in, to give a prognosis. But I think it's fair to say that... You know, the US 2024 elections, I don't think they'll take place. And if they do, they will not be consummated. By that, I mean, there will be no president elected through it. And generally speaking, it's that period now into the run-up over the next, uh, you know, 15 months, which we'll see made the major events, particularly in the US, and the WCC countries, uh, which will bring about their implosion. And you can, I always listen to Donald Trump because I always remember, always in my mind is, you might not get many Q posts. There'd be very few and far between now and that that period of time. But I think that uh, some of the videos the Trump is putting out, he put out a 30-second, uh, the final conflict, where he put forward that he would he is going to annihilate the deep state, remove effectively re- remove the cabal, and this is it. And those type of those type of uh, memes or videos, snapshots, are, ve- are very, very telling. And when you talk about America and you talk about Donald Trump, you have Donald Trump, who's far and away now the uh, preferred candidate of, uh, of, of, the, of the grassroots of the Republican Party. As regards to Congress, the Senate and Congress, he's not the preferred candidate, there's no doubt about that. But interestingly enough, RFK Jr., he is without doubt the preferred candidate of the Democratic grassroots, but definitely not the uh, the, the hierarchy, the DNC, or those individuals who reside in Congress and the Senate and call themselves Democrats. I believe 
that neither will stand as the official representative of their party. I don't think there's a chance in hell that uh, Donald Trump or RFK will become the nominated candidates for their individual parties, the Republicans and the Democrats. As a matter of fact, I go so far to say is that I don't think that uh, I don't think that uh, that Michelle Obama. I don't think that uh, she will get the nomination. I think the nominations uh, put forward will be Newsom for the Democrats and uh, DeSantis for the Republicans. I noted with intent that DeSantis was questioning the right of any candidate to stand. He's very careful. That's been, that's been impeached one or more times. Well, you know, Trump, this could be the first, the third time that he'd be arrested. And he also expects it to happen again and that he'd be indicted. And that's the tactic because I listened yesterday or the day before to Robert Kennedy in Congress where it was unbelievable that the Democrats literally lined him up and went on the attack as if he were Donald Trump. You know, they called him an anti-Semite. The black uh, ranking member said that, uh, you know, he's... He, he was a vicious opponent of black people. It was quite incredible. But through it all, Kennedy remained very calm. And he was able to explain what's required in this period and how you must step over the fence, how you must talk to those who disagree with you and see where the common points of support are. And in that, and in that, he, you know, he gives a hint of what possibly could be in the next period. Don't get me wrong. He states categorically and clearly that he has no track on an independent ticket with Donald Trump, as does Donald Trump say he has no track with RFK in any independent ticket. Why? Because they're both standing for the leadership of the official uh, Republican Party and Democratic Party. Now, I believe that moves will, be, uh, moves will develop, which will mean they'll both be denied the chance, both be effectively kicked out, and then that's a different ballgame between Donald Trump and uh, RFK Jr. Now, I mentioned in my last talk on the podcast that there were two summits that were going to take place. The first was the NATO summit on the 11th and 12th, effectively last week, which was an unmitigated disaster for the globalists. You know, you can read the reports now where Zelensky was treated like a leper, where he was told, I read an article where he was told on the sidelines, forget it, we're not entering into any war with the Russian Federation. And uh, I think, you know, I don't want to go into detail with it, but if that was supposed to be their big hurrah and the lead into the defeat of Russia, then you can say that uh, the exact opposite has occurred. I'll touch uh, later on in, the, uh, in regard to the BRICS meetings on the 22nd and 23rd, because there's a lot of confusion now coming up on gold standards, currencies, etc. That's understandable. Many truthers now, for the first time, are being forced to get the grips with what's at play. And they're behind, they're behind the eight ball. They're three years behind or four years, five years behind what events are taking place. So they're playing catch up and still trying to put forward uh, a stratagem 
which are the ones I've listened Where to. You're yeah. ahead of, you've been ahead of the game the whole time, Roy. Well, not just you've myself. Been but, saying what's been going on, you really have. You've been incredible. But it's not just me. You know, you got to, you know, there's people like Shackman, McLeod, you know, these people. Uh, but they, you see, even those uh, those people were enormously wealthy individuals and are patriots. Then you got patriots in who are economists, who, are, who own companies, gold bullion companies, who have been on, they've been together as a united entity for years and now splitting on the question of BRICS, on the, on the currency. So I'll, I'll come into that. But okay. first of all, Lou, I want to, uh, I want, when I say, because I, I said that the American economy, it's a, it's a sunk ship. I said last, I said the central banks, they're all bust, you know, bank, uh, they're all finished. And people say to me, oh, you can say that, Roy, but, you know, <laughs> you got to give some background to it. And uh, I thought, well, it's a fair point they make. And I wanted to get, if you like, the simplest quote I could get to show the crisis that's affecting the American economy and, and the reason why it's collapsing as I speak. Now, the first one is from a guy called Alistair Crook. Now, Crook wrote this article, A Tale of Two Cities, on the 13th of July this year. Now, he's a former British diplomat, economist, and he really had a, he's had his finger on the pulse for many years. Now, it was a rather lengthy article, but I'm going to read what he, what he put forward, and then I'm going to discuss it. Quote, Crook, as consumption and in an ephemeral financial and services sector sucked out the oxygen of fresh investment from the manufacturing of real output, which is still required to pay for impulse, the real economy withers on the vine. In the US today, for example, official unemployment figures are given as 6.1 million Americans. Yet 99.8 million of working-age Americans are considered not in the labor force. Therefore, a total of 105 million working-age Americans have no job today. That would mean, and I'm, I'm leaving this quote now, but that would mean, Lou, that we have, or they have, an unemployment rate of 46%. Are those figures correct? Absolutely correct. Now you can check them. You can check them on the uh, labor, US labor statistics. And I sort of did a breakdown. There are 331.9 million human beings in America. 74.3 million are under 16, under working age. 55.8 million are retired. That makes, you know, a, a, you take that away from the 331 million, it leaves you 230 million. If you take 105 million, that then gives you only, it gives you a fact that only 54% of the total of that 230 million are actually got a job. 46% haven't got a job. How is that the case when they say official figures is 6.1 million? That's very clever because they say 6.1 million actively unemployed. What does that mean? All oh, right. If you dig into the statistics and you go to do a bit of research, you'll find that active unemployed and inactive unemployed 
and experienced active unemployed are those who are still seeking work, but are in receipt of benefits over a six-month period, which can be ext extended to 12 months. After that, they become inactive unemployed and not registered on the statistics of the unemployed. So you, we have a situation where 99.8 million of working age Americans have been out of employment for six months or more and therefore are not put in the actual figures of the unemployed. Do you get what I'm saying, Lou? Lou, can you hear me? Sorry, hear I me? was on mute. Sorry, Roy. Yeah, I, t yeah, I, d I understand, Roy. You do understand what I'm saying. So that gives an indication of the enormous crisis in manufacturing. See, why is that important? Well, I've mentioned the definancial uh, the, the financialization of the banks that took place in the 80s. And that was under the auspices of, uh, we called it the, 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 the Chicago School of the 1980s. And they're the people, the very people that Thatcher revered. And their advice was both uh, simple, but seemingly compelling, especially to a dimwit like Thatcher. And the essence of it was, was forget about the forget about the manuf uh, the manufacture of goods and commodities. We'll send that over to Asia. They'll produce it cheaper than us, and we can buy it off them. And they then went not just Thatcher, not just America, but most of the countries of the WCCC. They developed the financial services industry. Easy money was the answer to their prayers. They extolled easy money. The grocer's daughter from Grantham bought it hook, line, and sinker, and set upon, and she did set upon, the wanton destruction of the former workshop of the world. There were exceptions. Germany, you know, fought against uh, that line, and indeed, through cheap energy and power from Russia over that period, was able to develop as, a, as an enormous, powerful industrial economy. That was then. It is not the case today. Germany now is a de-industrialized, weak effect economy, much like the rest of the WCC. Now, the next quote I've got is from the IMF blog. That's the International Monetary Fund blog, May the 1st, 2023. Now, you've got to do a bit of search to get these, but get a listen to this. Asia, and by that, they mean the BRICS, by the way, yeah. will contribute about 70% of the global growth of the world in 2023. If you count the Middle East and Africa, that figure is 86%, which according to the IMF, leaves the WCCC 13.7% share of the world global growth. Now that lines up with what I said about financialization. The, uh, yeah. the financial assets have rocketed in the West at the expense of the manufacture of real goods and commodities. So now we have 86% of world goods, real commodities, you know, um, items which we use for the existence of our very lives are being produced in essentially the BRICS countries in the heartlands. <laughs> and what does that mean? Well, I go to the Euro, U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, and there's a little uh, little article about how prices go up. Now I'm just going to 
I'm just going to take one sentence out of it, but here's the sentence. Currency depreciation, when the value of the dollar decreases over time, it translates to higher import prices, higher prices for goods, foods, etc. Now, that's very telling because what they're saying is, and they're correct, that the devalue of the dollar and its continuing devaluation is going to create higher prices. That's the way it is. Now, if you give that the dollar, has been, uh, has literally been uh, devaluing on the weight traded index for you know for many many years. In 1971, it, it was at its lowest ebb. It was just under a hundred, and it forced it forced the then president Nixon to come off the gold standard. And as I explained last week, they were able to do a deal with Saudi Arabia on the petrodollar, which saved. The US dollar. Now, what have we got now? Well, we're now some uh, 71, 30, 54 years later, and we find on the weight trading index that the dollar's gone below 100 again. But this time, this time, there ain't nothing to put the dollar onto. That's gone. Why do I say that? The reasons I've outlined. 87%, 86% of world growth in all commodities, goods, manufactured goods, etc. And now with the BRICS plus countries in Asia, they control the oil, they control the iron, they control the wheat, they control the food. So what, is, what have they got? What has, the West, what has the West got, the WCCC countries got? Well, they've got huge national debts. It's not just the dollar. That's diminishing and devaluing itself. All the other currencies are also doing it at the same time. Now you can say, oh, well, how does that work out in America? You know, the stock exchange is zooming. Yeah, the stock exchange is going forward. It's going forward because much of the statistics I've put here and touched on aren't being made aware to the working people. And why do I say the working people and middle class? Because the institutions are not invested in the stock exchange now. Oh, no, 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 no. They've realized it's a busted flash. They're going into gold. They're going into precious materials. They're going into commodities, mining commodities. So this huge uh, boom that's taking place in the, uh, on the uh, stock exchanges is, is led by high-tech and AI. But high-tech and AI may give a profit in return very briefly in this period but they mean less jobs. They mean the taking away of jobs and distributions from working people. Now, you've got parallels here with the dot-com bus boom in 2000, uh, 2000, 2001. But you see, at that time, the American debt wasn't as great as it is now. American debt is the most indebted country in the world. It's just figures no longer have meaning. They're now, the debt is crushing. The cabal is being crushed by its own uh, malfeasance, by its own uh, move to financialization and quick profits. It now hasn't got industrial and manufacturing economy. It got rid of it all, or the best part of it, yes, the, you know, in, 19, 
in the 1990s, 2000s, over 20 million were in manufacturing industry. There's less than 9 million now in all different types of manufacture. In the car industry, it's dropped something like 67%. In other words, what I'm alluding to is an enormous crisis which isn't going to resolve itself. Now, that's, I've dealt with the economy, but because events are moving very, very quickly, you literally have to, you, you can be caught in this period. Because this, it's like everything, you're getting many explosions uh, where, where the cabal is being exposed, where the deep state is being exposed. And you jump onto them. It's instinctive. You've waited all these years to see the downfall of the cabal. And then you grasp at anything that's taking place. But it, much of the time, it's a case of look here, look here, but don't look there. Yeah. <laughs> Britain is very interesting in that respect. You know, a, a supporter, a patriot, sent me a copy of a headline on the Scottish Daily Express on the 19th of July, 2023. And um, the headline was Cold Case Being Reopened on Nicholas Sturgeon. And, you know, that, that, that's, that's on top of the embezzlement case that she's now facing. But I read these headlines. By the way, if you try to get that headline up now in any of the media and the press and the internet, you don't get it. I saved it. That's why I was able to refer back to it. It didn't appear on any of the main channels, the TV, uh, the radio, etc. But have a listen to the first opening paragraph. Scotland's crack cold case unit is involved in the investigation into claims that Nicola Sturgeon and Joanna Freeman broke the law and responsible for avoidable deaths during the COVID pandemic. Now, the background to that is that in March, campaigners went to the police with their claims. They argued that both uh, Freeman and Sturgeon and the MSPs members should face corporate manslaughter under the health and safety at laws. And, the alleged, and particularly the alleged cover-up that's taking place. Now, the campaigners, the article related, after four months liaising with the cold case team, have submitted, and get this, to what the cold case lead detective described as a vast quantity of evidence. The lead detective wrote that Miss Roberts, who is, the, who is the leader of the campaigners, is a nurse, with a former health and safety prosecutor, and a fellow uh, NHS whistleblower have presented evidence based on three pivotal points. First, uh, the policy of moving hospital patients into care homes. Secondly, the DNR forms. Thirdly, the lack of PPE for health and care work. And part of the evidence, they cite the evidence of, of a professor, June Andrews, who told a Hollywood committee during the pandemic, by the way, that it, would, it could be, and this is a quote, quite useful in clearing beds and blocking hospitals by killing off patients. Oh. Now, she, she, admitted wow. to the, she, admitted to her, she admitted her remarks to MSCs, MSPs could be seen as horrific. Now, that's on tape, by the way. You can see that. And those MSPs sat there, actually, 
they should be done on just allowing a creature like that to come forward and posit this idea. Now, she later insisted uh, she was speaking ironically and not, not, not in the real form as it was taken by the MSP and as it was taken by the media that were there at this moment in time and didn't, to a large degree, even put this forward. Nonsense. Uh, she, <laughs> yeah, she later said it was, uh, it, was, it was all ironic. So Sturgeon and the SNP and the key players may be well charged with corporate manslaughter. The cold case team have linked up with a wider investigation and they have encompassed all the materials that have been given them. And they've, in their own words, they call it evidence. And you see, when I looked at this, I thought, oh, that's mightily interesting. But I looked who the campaigners were. A health and safety prosecutor, interesting, because they're doing them on the health and safety. Former NHS whistleblower and a nurse. In other words, these would be the people that would have the facts. And if they're facts, could not be substantiated or did not have evidence to back them up. They would not have been accepted by the cold case team in the, in the first place. Now, let's just say Sturgeon and the SMP and the individuals are charged. That has wide ramifications for Drakeford and for Johnson for the people in their cabinets and the people who support and their political appointees that support them and also for the medical in inverted commas science that they supported, that they supported their judgments. So while the majority of these people ignored the rules, had parties, you now, it's a distinct possibility, they could be charged with corporate manslaughter. That I believe would be a watershed in British history, but it would also be a way in which you would detonate the political parties in Britain and the political leaders in Britain. You know, if the people were aghast that they could have parties, and although we know that what is being claimed is true, the mass of people in this country do not yet understand it on the lines of the party. If and when they do, then there's not much chance, I believe, that you, you will be able to save the political parties. And that falls in line with what we've been saying all along. Come 2024, you might have Newsom uh, for the Republicans, and you might, have, you might well have uh, Newsom for the Democrats, you might well have DeSantis for the Republicans. But it will mean nothing. They might return individuals to Congress and the Senate, but they will, if it ever came apart, the president would definitely be Donald Trump. If, that, if it goes to inclusion, and what I'm trying to say is whatever happens, these senators, these politicians, these paid puppets are being exposed right now. You know, no greater exposure of a sitting president could be what's taking place with Biden, with Biden and his son, Hunter. Yeah. Now, you see, we argued, I, I put forward a while back, that many of their crimes will be shown to the people. 
And it won't be in tribunals. The people will know about their crimes way before we get to the tribunal and the military stage. But I also put forward there would be no prosecutions because the Department of Justice, the FBI, uh, the CIA, all of these would be weaponized against the patriots. And what and what are we and that's where we are at now. If anybody watched the session in Congress yesterday, where Miss Morris, formerly the political editor, deputy political editor of the New, New York Times, she was the person who highlighted the Hunter Biden laptop before the 2020 election. She explained what it was, what it had in it, and she was, it was, she then went on to explain what happened. Her, her accounts, the New York Post accounts on Twitter and all the social platforms were cut. She later learned that the FBI and the CIA through Twitter and, uh, and uh, Facebook had a war room. This is, this is prior to the 2020 election where they ensured that there was no chance this would come out. The, 50, the letter signed by 51, you know, uh, what do you call them? Uh, the spooks, if you like, uh, you know, the former leaders of the, of the Secret Services all came forward and said, you know, it's a, it's a falsehood, it's a Russian collusion. She said that they knew even then that it was all lies. In effect, her evidence alone overturns the 2020 election. And if it, if it was that alone, that would be enough. But now, the, uh, the, uh, the role of, of the Bidens, of the Biden crime family, has been exploded in, uh, not just in Congress, even the main media now, the mainstream media, are being forced to put forward what's taking place. Biden, I do not believe, can survive the next few months. There's not a chance he can survive it. I don't know how he departs the scene of history, but I can tell you something for nothing, Kamala will go with him. In Britain, you know, the, we're all looking at these by-elections. These by-elections are an unmitigated disaster for yeah. all the political parties. Let's make it clear. For all the political parties that Labour have only won two out of seven by-elections the, since the Tories, you know, since Johnson. That's a disgrace, by the way. That's an utter disgrace. Now, the Greens are winning and the Liberal Democrats are winning. But that's always the purpose. That's always the events that take place in by-elections. What should worry Labour is that in Boris Johnson's old seat, they couldn't defeat the sitting Tory because they were the all-time favourite. Lawrence Fox. Our oh, Lawrence Fox was, um, was standing in that constituency, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was. But it, it, yeah, but it doesn't bode well for Labour. Because if no. the Tories can hold Axbridge and they can hold the seats in London and the South East, they could deny Labour an overall majority. All of them, Lou, are falling. All of them have no way forward in the next period. Now, I'm going to end. I'm going to end on, uh, on Brexit, as I said I would. This issue, let's get this clear. This issue on a gold back currency. There is not, in my opinion, the first stage will not be a gold-backed currency. I believe it will be a gold-backed trade-weighted currency. What do I mean? I mean that 
where two countries trade together, then the difference will be paid in gold. And given that bilateral agreements now are absolutely exploding, not just in BRICS countries, but across the continent of Africa, because Asia to a large degree and the Middle East are tied up. They tied up through the Shanghai Corporation, the AEAU, uh, the stands. So they're all tied up. But Africa, <laughs> the West, they literally, everything they turn touches to lead. You know, Zelensky, under the, under the guise of NATO, under the guise of the Americans, attacks uh, the bridge, the Kerch Bridge. What's the outcome of that? The outcome of that is that all the grain cones of the Black Sea has now been stopped. Anybody who attempts to do it, then it's in warlike conditions. Russia can well stop that ship or actually capsize it if they so deemed. Now, the West then, I heard uh, that pimple on the backside of the world, that American foreign secretary, I can't remember his name now, which is kudos to me for not even remembering his name. But he said, you know, isn't it disgraceful that Putin is denying the grain to the poorest countries on Africa? It's a disgrace. 44% of that grain went there. Come back to Lavrov a month ago. Sending a letter to the United Nations, speaking at the United Nations, talking straight to the American delegation and saying to them, you are a disgrace. You're, only, you're sending under 3% of the total grain we're allowing through to African countries. 3% and blinking. That, and this creature blinking tries to say it was 40%. But then it was left to Peskov to say, well, if that is the case, and they were only getting three, uh, uh, and we were, we were cutting it. We were the people responsible. Where's the hue and cry from the African nations? In other words, the African nations say nothing because they know it was the, the, the grain had gone to the Western European countries, to China. Now what happens? Well, July the 26th and 27th, Putin has all the African nations coming over to Moscow. He's already on record as stating that those that are in desperate difficulties with wheat and maize and other foodstuffs, we will provide free of charge. But wow. nothing, nothing of that is mentioned in the fake media and the fake press. One Labour MP had a poll. He put it out on his uh, curtain, I think his name is. He put it out on his Twitter. Who would you like to see as leader of the world? 78% of respondents said Putin. And it shocked him. It shocked him to the core. Credit to him that he actually put the figures up on his Twitter account. So you can see a sea change is taking place now. So you're going to have, you know, I, 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 I've got to address this, this point, though, because they're saying you know, they're going to announce it uh, the 22nd and 23rd. They're going to announce a gold currency. They're going to trade rate index. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? If you're in a war, both kinetic and financial, 
and the cabal is raining hell on you, and you had powerful weapons in your arsenal, both financial and kinetic, why would you tell your enemy the date and time that you were going to launch them? No. I think what you're going to get at the BRICS conference is going to be, yes, we're going to have a trade-weighted currency. Yes, we're going to develop a clearing bank, which all the countries can apply to. I think they're going to explain why they're going to do it. They're going to develop bilateral agreements. They're going to, by doing the gold-weighted trading countries between, between different countries, it means it'll secure the local currencies. But the big, big, big bullet is when China gets up and says, uh, is when Saudi Arabia gets up and says, we're prepared to accept other currencies other than the dollar. When that drops, you will see the dollar and all the other currencies fall through the floor on the weight traded index. What does that mean? Well, it means that the, that the currencies that we have here, we won't be able to negotiate with the West because our currencies are backed up by nothing. They will want agreement with us. They want agreement with any country that comes to deal, not on an annual basis. No, 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 no. Because they're not in BRICS. Anything you want, you'll have to pay for in gold. That's in, that's in this immediate period, you know, after it begins to fall. That's where the prices in Britain are going to rocket. I said eight or nine pounds for a loaf of bread by, by Christmas time. I'm not deferring from that. I think that's entirely and eminently possible. I think interest rates in Britain and in America, they could be up around 15, 16, 17%. And remember, we're not in the period of the 80s when that came along and Vokla uh, imposed it. Then we, we didn't have big deficits. Uh, the credit crunch was put forward. It dissipated after a year or so. It's not the case now. We've already got these huge deficits. We've already got interest rates. Core inflation is already rising, but it can only go further and worse now. It's a bit like that. You know, uh, I forgot his name, the playwright who wrote, uh, things go slowly, 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 and then, boof, fall off, uh, you fall off the cliff. And we're on the slowly, slowly part, but we're approaching the cliff edge now. Everything is going to turn into tumult in the next period. That's why these, these things that are developing, and I've touched upon, you, you, you can miss them. You have to stick to the general now. And the general... I would, I would keep my eyes on, on a number of things, particularly what we're outlining is the economies, but then the children. Then the children and the development of the, uh, the expose of, uh, of satanic pedophilia. That now is beginning to get foot in. And I think that over, up to that November period, I think it's all going to come together. The central banks will fall. The currencies will fall. The political parties will fall. Uh, there'll be enormous instability in society. What can stop instability in society? Well, the military can, but on the premise that the people want the military to come in, because if a people are opposed to the military, then that's civil war. That's a worst-case scenario. But that's what's being done now. That we're seeing now all over the WCC countries, if it's in France, you know, the military were discussing removing Macron. If it's in Germany, you've got Schultz saying, now oh, we can take more people, which, 
It's infuriating to German people. If it's in Britain, well, it's too much to, you know, you could, there's umpteen reasons why it's all exploding. I touched on, I touched on COVID, the residue of the jab, et cetera, what's going to take place. It's, I think it's all going to come out in, uh, in, the next, in the next 12, 14 months. It's a very explosive time. There's never been a period in history in 7,000 years like we're going through now. If you look back at history, even if you look at antediluvian times, if you look to Hammurabi, if you look to the uh, Anu, if you look to kingship, if the king always controlled money, he always controlled credit. Yes, it was based on land, agricultural base, but he always did. If you went to uh, two and a half thousand years before Christ was born, that was still virtually the same position. In that period of history, you had uh, regular jubilees. In other words, debts were forgiven. Uh, they were wiped away every seven years or when a king came to power. Or, a, or an emperor came to power. Why? Because they recognized you couldn't have a serf population. It's the advent of Rome. It's the advent of Rome and the, and the murder of Caesar, which allows the oligarchy to control land, which allows usury and credit and debt to come to the fore. It bankrupts Rome. It makes its people into slaves. It makes it rely on foreign mercenaries, and in the end, Rome is defeated. It turns in on itself, and the Viscos uh, is defeated quite easily in the fifth century. <laughs> no, I, yes? Now, I just wanted to ask, there's just a couple of questions that I've got written, you know, that I've been listening and, and, and asking. So here, we've got China owning most of our nuclear power stations. They're buying a lot of land, as with Bill Gates owns a lot of farming land and communities. How is all that going to be rectified when these countries own, like China's involved in, I mean, China's practically owning absolutely everything. And then the second question is, how does the Bank of International Settlements fit into all of this? Right, this, the way it's settled in, uh, in regard to who, who's got who and what's got what in the different countries, just look at Russia. Russia has taken over American companies, German companies. Once sanctions are applied on China, uh, yeah, that's it. China will say, okay, well, we'll keep the American companies here. Yeah, you're going to be able to keep the, uh, the, the companies that we've financed over there. You know, but I'll tell you what, the big loser is the WCCC. I wonder how Elon Musk is going to be feeling. I wonder how the semiconductor uh, giants in America are going to be feeling. Yeah. As for Britain, I would imagine that uh, it's not even an entity that China takes in, in, into discourse or account. So that's how that will be dealt uh, when they move into a warlike situation. Now, what was the other question, though? A bank of International Settlements. The Bank of International Settlements is the, uh, is, is, is the key bank for the cabal. Now, the Bank of International Settlements controlled all the central banks on a world stage. Yeah. It doesn't anymore. It doesn't control Russia, China, India, Turkey. It doesn't, many of them, although they're formally in that organization, they now, when they, when they, that's the point of when they have a trade-related currency on gold. The BIS is playing a servant role, a servile role now to Brexit. And you can see that in that, uh, first of all, the, the first tier one asset up until 2018, 2019 was the US dollar. 
But then, then they added that gold is a tier, a tier one asset. Why? Because they understand what's going to come and take place now in the next period. That's why. Look, the defeat of the cabal can be seen in the IMF. The IMF now is accepting the yuan as payment of, of, of countries' debts. That's incredible. But it's logical. Why would you keep on taking dollars when you know they're not going to be worth the paper they're written on and you've got a chance to get yuan, which is backed up by gold? It's further proof of the demise of, of the cabal itself. And I'll, I'll come back. You know, I went to Rome. Well, it was, it was, it was, it was in the period of Cromwell where uh, the, uh, the agrarian was taken over by mercantile capitalism, then by capitalism, and now by imperialism. But the point, the reason why it's different is that all through that period of history, elite groupings, cabals, have controlled all of the world and the world economy. The reason this is different is that we, the masses, are going to have control through our elected representatives of the money supply, of credit. In other words, the age of usury of, of fiat money is going to be over. And when we talk about, I talked to you earlier, you asked the question, what's going to happen with the factories, so on and so forth. Well, I'm telling you that what Russia put forward will be carried through by China in the immediate period. In the immediate period. But once 45 goes to meet Xi and goes to meet Putin, immediately you will have, uh, you will have uh, you know, a, a basis of an agreement. Those things will then fall away. Countries will... Sovereign nations will agree, yeah, you can come into our country, yeah, we can go back to that. Yeah, because yeah, trade will be re-stabilized. You know, uh, it's interesting. John F. Kennedy said, he, if he got in power, he said yesterday, Watch out, what would I do? I put the dollar back on the gold standard. Bang! Bang! Why would, you, why would RFK Jr. say that? Why would he say that? He'd say it because he knows it's going to have to be done. And he's, he's absolutely correct. You see, I'll finish with this, Lou, because I've talked long enough. <laughs> What's taking place here really is the last lap of the marathon. We've won. We're way, way, way ahead. We can see the finishing line now. But the mass of humanity doesn't yet know the race that we're in or at what stage of the race we're at. But they will do in the next period because where it hits them will be in their pocket. In the WCCC countries, mass poverty, mass unemployment, mass misery is coming for a short period of time. That will waken up the people. But what will tip everything will be what has happened to the children. Look what these demonic forces have done to our children. That will blow the lid off everything. And yeah. then we'll be entering the realm of, the re of a world fit to live in for human beings. That's it. Roy, you're brilliant, as always. Absolutely brilliant. Can we do another one? Can we have another show next week? Can we manage to get, knock one out every every week? Because I know the listeners love it. They love to listen to your updates. I'm always getting messages when you're back on. 
Um, I, I can, so, I'll say yes, Lou, but I've got a fair bit of writing to do, so it'll depend on that. And really, the writing is covering some of the things. So I'll say yes, provisionally. But if I, look, I'll, I'll definitely do it in the next two weeks, whatever happens. Fantastic, Roy. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. We will be back okay. next week. Um, I will be doing a show over the weekend and then back to daily shows for Monday. We'll, we will put out a show over the weekend. Um, if you'd like to support us, libertytactics.co.uk, you can go to buy me a coffee. There is a support us page. Uh, there is a bank account number because we were taken down from PayPal, Stripe, everywhere else. Um, so that's if you want to support the show, please feel free and uh, check out Roy's Telegram channel, Royboy17. Roy posts all his articles and his analysis up there daily. He's not on Facebook anymore. If you want to get in touch with Roy with any questions, you can email info at libertytactics.co.uk and we will make sure Roy gets your email. So thanks, Roy. That was amazing. Not really. Uh, thanks for that, Lou. But I apologise. It was very, it was very bitty. But the reason it's bitty is because I'm trying to set the way we're going to go forward over the next period. So I apologise for today, but Next week, it'll be better or the week after. It was brilliant, Roy. I'm going to cut off because I've got two crazy Daxons going mad here. So, um, libertytactics.co.uk. Roy will be back the next week and check us out over the weekend. Bye.